0: Well, we are continuing our series and blending it in with Mother's Day this week, and we'll get into it in a little bit, but there's a commandment that's associated with mothers, yeah, one of the ten, and so we're going to talk about that one, but we're going to tie it in With our series Unlocking Freedom in Your Life. And we're in week five of that series. We've been talking about uh, how to get free, how to break free from the various things that hold us down in this life according to God's plan. How do we get free? We're talking about one of the most iconic teachings of Jesus that most people don't even realize is a teaching of Jesus, which is that the truth will set you free. Not only is it Probably one of the most iconic teachings of Jesus, but also one of the most half-understood teachings of Jesus. And so we're, we're going through John 8, 31 and 32, and we see three steps to freedom in these two verses. And so let's look at that by way of recap here this morning. John 8, verse 31. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. So holding to the teachings of Jesus basically takes three things. First, you have to know what they are. You can't hold to a teaching that you don't know what it is. The second thing is, you have to put your faith and trust in that teaching. How many people have read something in the Bible and you thought, Yeah, not so sure. So if we put our faith in the teachings of Jesus, that means that we trust his judgment more than we trust ours. And so if Jesus says to do something, and we think maybe that's a bad idea, like if he says, love your enemies, and we're thinking, what? Instead, we go, well, there must be something I'm not seeing. I'm going to trust what Jesus has to say. So we put our faith in those teachings, and then we actually put them into practice. That's holding to the teachings. So we learn what they are, put our faith in them, trust God more than we trust our own judgment, and then put them into practice because we trust them and we know them. Something happens after that, verse 32. Then you will know the truth. So learning what the teachings are isn't knowing the truth. It's knowing what the teachings are. But only after you put the teachings into practice and you start to see the effects that living by the teachings of Christ brings, that's when you start to see things more clearly and you come to know the truth and the truth will set you free. So we put the teachings of Jesus into practice that affects our lives it affects our relationships our world and as we learn by experience in living out the teachings of Christ we add the experience to the faith and that gives us progressive freedom more and more as we learn to grab hold of it through the ways of God so that's how we get to freedom from the gospel of John chapter 8 this week We're going to apply those three steps to one of the Ten Commandments. So let's go to Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, and let's look at a commandment here. It says this Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. This is The commandment to honor your father and your mother and there's a promise with it. You know, this was one of the Ten Commandments that Moses had on the stone tablets and Moses brought them down to the nation of Israel and they're trying to get into the promised land. And so there's a promise associated with this that if you honor your father and mother that the promised land will be a good promise that you can hold on to and have for the long term. So honoring your father and your mother had an effect of allowing them to stay in the promised land longer if they were to do that. And so I want to tell a story about when I was teaching elementary religious release back years ago. We're doing this with third through sixth graders, teaching them the the basic Ten Commandments. And my wife was friends with some of the other moms of the kids And shortly after this honor your father and your mother lesson, one of the moms came to my wife and said, what did you do to my son? We were having an argument. And as we're arguing and it's starting to escalate, my little fourth grader stops and he says, I learned in release time that I'm supposed to honor my father and my mother. So I'm going to honor you and I'm not going to argue with you anymore. And he stopped the argument. And the mom's jaw dropped, and she was shocked, and she came running to my wife. Well, guess what? That little fourth grader didn't just write a commandment on a piece of cardboard. He put it on his heart, and he took it home with him, and he put it into practice with his mom, and then he started to learn some truth. And the truth he learned was, you can drop your mom's jaw if you just decide to stop arguing and be the bigger person and honor your mom in the midst of a dispute. And this fourth grader learned that if he put the teachings of God into practice, that he could change his relationship with his mother and he could have a better home life. And the mom learned that when her son did that, that it changed her heart. And this is how you get from a list of rules and weird things that seem like they don't make any difference to truth and freedom, is by putting them into practice. I don't know if you remember being a fourth grader, and if you thought your parents were doing something ridiculous, would you have thought, yeah, honor my mother and my father, they're ridiculous. Why would I do that? But yet in this scenario, we see that in an argument, he brought in honor to the situation, and it changed the situation. Instead of trusting his own feelings of wanting to just be in the argument, he just decided not to do that, but to trust what the teachings of God were. And he saw how truth came in and freedom came in. And that's what we want to grab a hold of. Let's look at a New Testament example of this same commandment. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 1, says this, Children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. So it's translated from Israel to the promised land to us in our lives that we may enjoy long life on the earth. So this is the the new testament version of the old testament command honor your father and your mother. Now, let's just go ahead and do that. It may be difficult. It may be something where you have to inject honor into an otherwise very difficult scenario, very difficult situation. But just go ahead and do that. Live out that teaching and see what happens. And mom and dad, if you want to be honored, if you want your kids to live out that commandment to honor their father and mother, let me, let me tell you this. Give them something to work with. All right? Be honorable. That's going to make it easier for them. In fact, the very next verse here, verse 4, turns the tide. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So instead of fathers exasperating and making it difficult for a child to honor them, it says here, don't do that. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Teach them the ways of God, the heart of God, model godly behavior. Then that will help the kids honor you. Now, this word exasperate in the King James, it's translated provoke to wrath. Here, if we look at the, the Greek, For exasperate, it's really two words that are stuck together to make one word. It's the word beside and the word angry. And what it means is, don't by your presence make your children angry. Don't you be the catalyst to their anger. Just because you happen to be there, now they become angry. Don't be like that. Don't be the one that provokes them to anger. Don't be the one that provokes them to wrath. Don't be the one that exasperates your children. Instead, Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Lead by example. Then you will give them something to work with so that they can honor you and not have to do so by faith, trusting that God's word is somehow good when every other thing that they feel like doing goes against it, but instead have it be something that makes sense so that they want to honor you as mom or dad. All right, we're going to look at a mother and son relationship that had a lot of things happen in it. The relationship between Mary and Jesus. And we're going to look at five different life events that happened. Now, if you're a parent, you may be riding the parenting roller coaster. It is a roller coaster of ups and downs, wonderful moments, and difficult times. And in the life of Of Mary as the mother of Jesus. There were wonderful moments. There were difficult moments. There were incredible ups and downs. But let's look at these five life events that Mary and Jesus shared and see how that affected Mary and the spiritual principles that we can glean from them. So let's start with Luke chapter 1 verse 26. And this is the story of An angel's greeting and an unplanned pregnancy. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Now, let me tell you, even if Gabriel says something nice, but he shows up in your room in the middle of the night, it's going to be scary. Verse 30. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. Now I am really looking forward to heaven because I want to talk to some of the people that I've only been able to read about. But one of the people I'm most excited about getting to know is Mary. She must have really been something. She was a teenager at this time when Gabriel shows up. And she has the wherewithal to ask clarification questions to Gabriel. She really must have been an impressive human being. She's going to be something to get to know. So she says, how will this be since I'm a virgin? willingly accepts the calling to be the mother of the Messiah, the Son of God. Think of the responsibility that she must have felt at that moment. She is going to be part of God's plan for the salvation of mankind. And she didn't fully understand all of it at this point, but she knew she was in the middle of something big that God was doing. And if you're a parent... Think back to the birth of your first child. I remember when my first son was born and back in 1994, and they put him in my hands, and I thought, I'm in charge of a human being. I don't feel like I should be in charge of a human being. This is amazing, you know. And you've got this little child, and you see the responsibility in it. And the responsibility Mary must have felt was amazing. And here's something that we, as parents, share with Mary, and that is that our children are created by God with a purpose. And a plan and Jesus died for them that their sins could be forgiven and God has an eternal purpose for these children when they're born and we are charged to raise them effectively in the sight of God. Mary saw that responsibility, we walk in that same responsibility, though we don't, we don't have Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. We have children who are loved by God, who have a plan and a purpose, are part of God's plan, and we must accept that responsibility. Then let's jump to when Jesus was 12. If you are a parent who has had children that are 12 or have been 12 years old, 12-year-olds can be a little challenging. They're old enough to think they should be able to drive, but they really shouldn't drive. You know, those sorts of things. Twelve-year-olds are very interesting. Let's look at when Jesus was 12. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 41. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. After the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. So... They went to Jerusalem for the feast, and Jesus goes somewhere else. Next verse. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. And when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. So this is taking time. Next verse. After three days. Have you ever lost your kid for like a half an hour? It's, it's just the scariest thing ever. Three days. Mary's lost the Messiah for three days. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Now, Mary's raising the messiah and every moment of it doesn't seem like it was fun in these words we can see that mary was anxious she was afraid i think even that she was hurt why have you treated us like this you know what are you what are you thinking what are you doing and mary is hurt if that can happen to mary raising the messiah might that happen for other parents raising normal people, that there might be times of anxiety and disappointment and fear and even being hurt. Of course, it's part of being a parent. There are those difficulties that we walk through. Verse 49, why were you searching for me? He asked, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Again, they're still not quite seeing the full picture. Fifty-one. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. The fact that Jesus was an obedient teenager to his mother and dad made the Bible. Imagine the Alpha and the Omega. Go clean your room. Okay. He was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. The uh, next section that we're going to read is in the Gospel of John, chapter 2. Here, Mary is giving Jesus his first big break. As a parent, you want to help launch your kids right. And this is an amazing scenario here in John, chapter 2. Let's begin verse 1. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. This is the woman who saw the angel Gabriel, who raised this child who could stump the teachers when he was 12. And now years have gone by. Jesus is about 30 years old at this point. That was the age you could become a rabbi. And so he's just following the rules. Wait until he's 30. And Mary is like, okay, it's time to go. Hey, they're out of wine. What are you going to (laughs) do? You know, the mom is given a little push. They're out of wine. Verse 4. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. He's a bit hesitant. And mom is pushing. Now, have you ever known what your kids should do and they just don't want to do it? His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. This, the first of his miraculous signs, Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him. The miracle of turning water into wine. You see Mary opening the door for Jesus. The servants didn't seem to care what Jesus had to say until Mary got their attention And Mary was able to say to the servants, look, do what he says. Mary was encouraging Jesus. She gives him the boost into his calling. As parents, it's our responsibility to launch our children well, to give them opportunities, to prepare them and then open the door. And sometimes you have to push them through. We want our kids to be set up for success And to have opportunities. It's the parent's responsibility. To privilege their children. Get them what they need. To succeed. Give them a boost. Into their future. That's the responsibility. Of the parent. And your father in heaven. Is like that with you. He prepares you. For things. And then opens the door. He gets you ready. And then the opportunity presents itself, and sometimes you're just pushed into it. And you have to either step into what God's calling you to do or run. Be like Mary. Let it be as you have said. You got a plan, I'm in. God prepares us, and He boosts us into those things, just like Mary did for Jesus. But then this ministry that Jesus was launched into was very effective. Thousands of people came. Amazing things happened. And Jesus got to be very busy. And here we go to Luke chapter 8... And we see the next phase in this relationship between Jesus and Mary. We saw the angel, we saw when Jesus was 12, now he's about 30, and Mary gives him the boost into his first miracle, and his public ministry begins. And now in uh, Luke chapter 8, we see another thing happen. Now, Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. When Jesus was doing his ministry, sometimes there were huge crowds to where, like, sick people had to be lowered in through the ceiling to get prayed for. Mary comes to one of the meetings and wants to see Jesus, and there's a huge crowd. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. Jesus replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. In other words, not right now. I'm busy. Sorry, Mom. I got a lot going on. I'm going to just keep doing this. I don't know all the backstory. I'm sure this was very, very justified. But for Mary, it must have hurt. Now he's too busy. He's not going to stop the meeting to talk to her. And he's going to say to all the people that are there, you guys are my family. That must have been painful. I tell you what, when you launch a child, it's a mixed blessing. Because then they get busy with their life and they're off doing their stuff and they're just busy and they don't have time for you like they did before you want to launch them effectively but then they're launched so jesus got real busy and he didn't have time for mary like he had before we don't want to get too busy to honor our father and mother and of course jesus wasn't that busy but it did change their relationship how much he was doing And let me ask you about your relationship with your heavenly father, because in life we get really busy. And one of the first things to fall off when we're really busy is our relationship with God. We stop with the daily checking in with God. We want to stay consistent with our time with the Lord, building our relationship with almighty God. Don't get too busy for your father in heaven. One more scenario, one more situation in the relationship between Jesus and Mary. And this one, Mary's about 50 years old, and she finds herself at the cross. John 19, starting in verse 25. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother. Some verses you read in the Bible, if you just pause for a little bit, you'll see an amazing situation that you could just quickly gloss over. But imagine this, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother. She's seeing the cross. She's remembering Gabriel, the angel. She's remembering this kid that wandered off in Jerusalem and scared her half to death. And this guy that was like, hey, not my time. And she's like, yeah, it is. And then he got so busy, they, they didn't have the same relationship they had before. And here he is on the cross. and She's standing there. and There's her boy the one with so many promises, and here he is. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there, and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to John, he said, Here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. From that time on, John took care of Mary. Now, Mary rode a roller coaster of a mother's journey with Jesus. But the moment came when Jesus knew he had to take care of his mom. Let me tell you, there comes a time in everyone's life where it's time to repay the love and the sacrifices of your parents. There's a time to repay that and to honor them. And Jesus is on the cross and he sees his mom. And he says to John, you take care of my mom. And John did it. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. All of the disciples were martyred, but John. I don't know why, but one of the things I thought of reading this verse is so he could be around to take care of Mary. He could be there. And honor the commitment he made to Jesus. I'll take care of your mom. Honor your father and your mother. If they're alive. Go ahead and honor them. And let's honor our heavenly father as well. If there comes a time for a child to honor the love and the sacrifice of their parents. There is a time for us to honor the love and sacrifice of our father in heaven. And that time is right now. There's a special bond between parent and child. Sometimes that relationship is very strained. Sometimes there are other complications. Let me tell you, be thankful for what you can be thankful for. Look for things to be thankful for. Even with the strains and the difficulties, be thankful for what you can be thankful for. And you can be thankful for a father in heaven who loves you and who would do anything for you. You can be thankful for a father in heaven who knows what you're going through, who has compassion on your situation, and who wants to help you. Some kids are easy to raise, and some kids are a challenge. What kind of child of God are you? Are you one that's easy to work with, one that is compliant with the plan, or one who's always stubborn and rebellious and running another direction and and just a difficult child to raise? Be an easy child for God. And it will go well with you.